Today, we're going to get back to the book of James. And uh, we've taken a little break, six weeks. A six-week break, because we went through the Christmas. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I started something I shouldn't have here. Um, the, a six-week break because of Christmas, and then we did some other stuff at the beginning of the year. And so um, we're going to get back into this today. And what I want to do is start by kind of giving you a little brief reminder about the, the, the big picture of the book of James. And, and it's important to do that. And it's just a, a real important principle for you to understand as you're reading the scriptures. And one that, that I don't know that we practice as well as we should is this. The idea that anything you read in scripture is part of a much bigger story. And so, like, we can go to James and wait, how do we go through it? We go through it, we take three, four, five verses at a time, and we look and say, what's that say? But you always have to take that three, four, five verses and put it in context of what the big picture is. Because if you don't do that, it doesn't make sense. Matter of fact, if you don't do that, you can cause it to say something it was never intended to say. Think of a conversation you have, maybe with your kids. And in a whole long conversation, you say this. You say, if you do this, this, and this, and this, after supper, we'll go to Culver's. Okay? But they take the whole context, your whole conversation is written out, and they just go to the the, the conversation, they go, after supper, we'll go to Culver's. And you say, God says after supper, we're going to go to Culver's. Well, there's this whole context that said, if you cleaned your room, if you took out the garbage, if it's not snowing out, if I have enough money, all these things went into it. And so taking that one little thing and just saying, just reading one little section out of context, you could make it say something it never meant to say. And so we always have to remember that in Scripture, that when you look at one section, you always have to put it in the context of not only the whole book, you have to put it in the context of where it fits in the whole Bible, you know, and what the whole theme of the whole Bible is. And so, let's do a little reminder of what the book of James is about. Let's remember that James was written by who? Jesus' half-brother James. Very good. And so, some of the books of your Bible, it'll be like 1 Corinthians. Well, that's written to the people in Corinth. But this is saying it's written by James. So the title gives who wrote it, and it's James, the half-brother of Jesus. And I think that's pretty amazing that we're going to get to hear something from someone who actually lived with Jesus his whole entire life. You know, who has this perspective on Jesus that that virtually no one else on planet Earth has ever had. Jesus' brother is going to write about Christianity. So I think that's obviously something we want to pay attention to. And so who was James? Not only the brother of Jesus. He was eventually, after he came to follow Christ, his own half-brother, as Savior, he becomes the leader of the Jerusalem church, during a really chaotic time, he becomes a leader of the Jerusalem church during a time of political unrest and religious persecution and economic trouble. And he wrote this particular letter to Christians who were scattered outside of Jerusalem, outside of the church area that he pastored, but he still had relationship with. So he writes this letter to them because not only are they facing a lot of persecution in Jerusalem, the people outside Jerusalem, the Christians, they're really getting literally slaughtered as Christians, and are facing tons of, of persecution. So he's writing to Christians in that environment. And the overwhelming or overarching objective in writing to those Christians, to, and, and also to all of us, because we're Christians who live outside of Jerusalem, um, is to help Christians live well during times of mistreatment and lack and confusion. Have you ever been confused in life? James is for you. You ever had any lack in life? then James is for you. Any time of you were not treated properly in life, James is for us. 
Um, and he shows us how we can live um, by wisdom, the wisdom of God during these times, which he shows us is much different than simple common sense or human wisdom. And you know what? I used to make a statement, and I realized how wrong I was. matter of fact, a guy always reminds me that I made this statement. It was a guy that I really discipled as a new Christian, and I think it actually caused him problems in his life. And I didn't know it at the time. And we'd be talking about a thing, and I'd look at him, and I'd say his name, and I'd say, listen, God gave you a brain, just use it. So it's not that difficult. God gave you a brain, just use it. Well, that's true to a point. But sometimes God's wisdom and human wisdom aren't the same thing. And just sitting down and trying to figure it out is not the same thing as having the wisdom of God. Because a lot of times God looks at things different. And we found, as we went through James so far, that we got a real definition of wisdom. That wisdom is having God's perspective on a situation and then acting accordingly. That that's what James is saying. He's saying, listen, I want to help you walk through life that's really troubled and help you walk through it in a way that you'll live well and you'll live well if you have God's wisdom in a situation so you see how God looks at it and you live according to God's way, not just your own human wisdom. And he made a statement in one of the verses we looked at a while back that if you want wisdom, you can have it. He put a little caveat in there. He said, as long as you're all in with Jesus, you can ask God and he'll give you wisdom and he'll never hold it back. So that's kind of the big picture of, of James. Now in the section that we're going to look at today, once again, remember this is Pastor James, is trying to help Christians. And I think we have to remember that. Because the way James writes, he comes, he's just very blunt. He just comes across and says it like it is. And we have to remember who he is and his, his motives. This is Pastor James. He's trying to help Christians live well. And he knew, because he lived in the world, that is this, this difficult environment as a Christian, he knew the problems that Christians faced. He knew some of the errors that Christians typically make, and he knew the negative results of those mistakes. So what he does here is he gives another nugget of wisdom, because that's what this whole book is, basically a series of nuggets of wisdom, another nugget of wisdom to Christians in tough situations to help them live well. In fact, in this very verse that we're going to read, he says that if you listen to what I say, you'll be blessed. Now, who wants to be blessed by God? Right? Scripture is going to say, we're going to read a verse, he's going to say, if you simply do this, you will be blessed by God. Now before we read the verses that are going to say that, um, I want you to do something with me to set the stage of, maybe put us in the right idea of what James is going to do here. So I want you to imagine something with me this morning. Can you imagine with me this morning? Okay. Okay, so, amen. You can imagine something with me. Let's pretend something. Let's pretend that you work for me, okay? which isn't true, but let's pretend. In fact, you are my executive assistant in a company that I own that is just growing by leaps and bounds. And I'm the owner, and I'm interested in expanding overseas because we've, we're, just, we're just booming, and we're going, I'm like, let's go, let's, let's ride the wave. And I'm going to expand overseas. And to pull this off, I make plans to to travel overseas. And there I'm going to establish a new branch office and get things established. And so I make all the arrangements to take my family. Suzanne's going to go with me. And I'm even going to take my my grandbaby with me. Callie's going to go with us. And maybe Sam. But uh, but, but Callie's going to go for sure. 
and we're going to go over there, and I'm going to leave you in charge of my busy stateside organization, and I tell you that I will write you regularly to give you directions and instructions on what to do while I'm gone so the business keeps on thriving. So I leave for Europe and you stay. Months pass. And I, I, I'm old school, so I actually write letters. I send some emails, but I actually write letters to you and I mail them. And you get them from, from Europe and you receive them at the national headquarters and I spell out for you all my expectations. Do this. Don't do that. Do it this way. All these expectations I, I spell out. And finally, the office overseas is established. It's going really good. And I return home. And I get home, I land, and I get in my car, and I drive to the office. And when I pull up to the office, our, to our stateside office, I'm absolutely stunned. The grass and the weeds are super high. There's windows broken on the ground level. I walk in the office... And here's the receptionist sitting there, and she's, she's just, you know, she's smoking a cigarette, chewing gum, and playing video games on the computer. I'm like, what in the world is going on here? I look around, and, and I notice that the wastebaskets are overflowing, and the carpet is filthy, it hasn't been vacuumed in, in months, and nobody seems concerned. I'm like, hey, I'm here. And they don't even be concerned that I'm there. I ask about your whereabouts, because you're my right-hand man. I said, where are you? And somebody says, well, I think he's down in the lounge down there. I'm like, the lounge? We don't have a lounge. Go down there and find it. You turn the conference room into a lounge. And, and I get down there and I find out you're just ending playing a chess game with the head of our sales department. And, you know, and you, you walk out and I say, you know, will you come in my office? What in the world is going on here? I come into my office and I go, there's large screen TVs everywhere. And there's all different sports channels on it's become like, like the ESPN lounge. I'm like, what is happening here? And I look and go, man, what are you doing? What have you done while I'm going? Well, while I've been done. And you, what are you doing? Like, you, look, you look at me like, what's wrong? And I say, didn't you get my letters? Did you get my letters that I sent? He goes, yeah, I got your letters. They were great. He said, matter of fact, we've been having letter study every Friday night. He said, we've been studying those letters. We've been, we've been reading them. Matter of fact, what we've done is we've taken the whole office and we've broken down into small groups and we meet regularly and we read and discuss the letters that you've sent to us. So Friday night is, is letter night for all of us in our, in our small groups. And you know what? You'd be pleased to know something. Some people have actually memorized a few verses or a few lines out of your letters. Some people have actually memorize an entire letter. You know what? Those letters, they're amazing. There's some really good stuff in those letters that you sent. And I'm sitting there, I'm bewildered. I go, okay, um, you got my letters. You studied them. You meditated on them. You discussed them. You even memorized some of them. But what did you do about them? And you look at me and you go, huh? What do you mean, what did I do? With what I read. That is what James is talking about in the verses we're going to look at today. It sounds nonsensical, but that is what James, in some way, in some form, this is what James was seeing in the life of the Christians that he loved and he was their pastor. 
They were hearing God's word. They were probably talking about God's word. They were maybe memorizing God's word because they didn't have it written the way we did, the way we do. But they weren't doing what God's word told them to do. Grab your Bible, James chapter 1, starting at verse 21. Listen to what James says here. Therefore, James chapter 1, starting at verse 21. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and has gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of a person he was. But the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. Say this with me. Will be blessed. This man will be blessed in what he does. Let's look at what James is talking about here. James starts off by carrying forward a thought. If you remember six weeks ago, he's carrying forward a thought that he was dealing with in the verses we looked at six weeks ago, um, dealing with um, the previous verses. That's basically saying that blessed Christianity requires some, some doing some things, some stopping some things and starting some things. It requires some activity. That in order to live well, there are some things that may be considered normal by the rest of the world and the rest of society, but will give you trouble if you participate in them. So he adds to the verses before, he adds, so put aside filthiness and wickedness. In other words, stop with all this, this stuff because it will cause you and the people around you harm. He said, so stop that stuff. And he says, and instead, in humility, receive the word of God implanted or implanted in your heart. James says, stop doing that stuff that will harm you. And instead, receive the word of God, which is able to save your soul. That's how he puts it. Now, James is saying here basically this. He said, I'm worried about your soul. About the condition of your spiritual lives. And we need to remember something here. Is he writing this to to people who don't know the Lord? Is he looking at a bunch of lost people who don't know Jesus and he's saying, I'm worried about the condition of your soul. No. He's writing to Christian people that already know the Lord. He's writing to Christian people. He's writing to you and to me. People who already met Jesus, who are already saved... So when he says, receive this word that can save your soul, he's not dealing with salvation. He's dealing with soul care. He's dealing with spiritual health of Christian people. And I think he is writing this in a very serious tone. He says it's about saving your soul. Or another, way you could, another word you could use there is about preserving your soul. Keeping your soul, your spiritual life, alive and healthy. And what does he say we have to do to have a vital soul, a vital, healthy soul? He says we need to be people who are doers of God's word. See, look how seriously he takes this here. Look at verse 22 with me. Because I think, church, 
I think James, I used a crazy illustration to illustrate this in the beginning, but I think James would say the same thing to, to, to us oftentimes. He'd say, I'm worried about your soul. I'm worried about your spiritual health because you're not necessarily a doer of the word. And look how serious he takes this in verse 22. He says, prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who what? Delude themselves. He's saying it's possible for you and me to live in, this, in the way, in the Christian way. No matter how much money you have, doesn't matter how long you've been in Christ, it's possible to live in this way and delude ourselves into thinking that we're doing okay spiritually when we're really not. He's talking about an attitude towards Christianity that believes that all that's really involved in this Christian life is originally you get in, you get in, by saying some prayer, a sinner's prayer, you know, at some time in your life, and then you show up at church from time to time, and you listen to some sermons, and then you really just leave the exact way you came in. That's what he's dealing with here. It's believing that there is some value in simply gaining more biblical knowledge, knowing more biblical facts and figures, knowing the Greek word and the Hebrew word, which says you're all in, I mean, as far as the church world thinks, you're knowing more stuff, but it's simply really just for knowledge's sake. It's not for transformation's sake. And I have to imagine James writes this from experience, because he's seeing it, and I think he's writing it from a a little bit of frustration, because he's Pastor James. He's probably been teaching these folks the Word of God and expecting that they would apply what he taught to their lives, but realize that many simply... You know, simply say, well, hey, that was a really nice and interesting and informative sermon, Pastor. Thanks, Pastor. Good message. But they don't take it to heart. They don't apply it to their own lives. I really think that's the perspective he's coming at here. And look what he says about a person who hears God's word, but does not act upon it. Does not apply it to their lives. He says they are deluded. I want to think about that. Again, Pastor James writing to people he loves. He wants the best for them. He recognizes that it's delusional to hear the very word of God and to then choose to ignore it. Now understand something. He's talking about the word of God. He's not talking about some person's opinion. He's not talking about, you know, Fox News's take on a situation. He's not talking about Forbes's view on finances for the next year. He's talking about the Word of God, the most important statements and presentation on planet Earth. He's saying it is delusional to hear them, the very Word of God, and then to choose to ignore it. And you say, what's he mean? Friends, it's delusional in this sense. In the sense of believing that you could ever live a life blessed by God. And I'm not saying a life of ease and a life of great amount of stuff because you don't need God in your life at all to have a life of ease and a life of a great amount of stuff in your life. You could go rob a bank tomorrow if you get away with it, move to a, to a desert island or some Caribbean island, and you could have a life of ease and abundance and God have nothing to do with it. But I'm pretty sure you want something more than that. And a lot of us live in a situation here in America where we have, we've, we've been able to attain some of those things and we recognize, guess what? It's not all that great. There's something better, a blessed life that God offers to us. 
And that's what he's talking about here. He says it's delusional in a sense of believing that you can live a life blessed by God and yet not do what God says. That makes sense? It's delusional to believe that God would bless your life but not do what he says in his word that's intended to lead you his word is intended to lead you into a life of blessing. So he said, you're deluding yourself if you believe I can hear God's word and not do it and then still believe I'm going to be blessed by God. See, we have to remember God's word is a gift to us. It's intended to reveal God to us. That's the purpose of the word of God. It's not to give you nice principles to live a good life. The intention of the word of God is to reveal the reality of God to mankind And then to help us see God's perspectives. See things the way God sees them. And we've learned in in previous sermons that wisdom then is living our lives and making choices based on God's perspectives, which often come through God's word. So to hear God's word and not to obey God's word and to expect to have a spiritually healthy and God-blessed life, James looks at it and says, that's delusional. Those are pretty strong words, aren't they? It's delusional. He doesn't say, well, it might not be good for you, brother. He says, you're delusional if you can believe that way. Now, if I say to someone, if I'm in a misunderstanding with Suzanne, and I go, Suzanne, you're just delusional. Do you think that's going to go good? Probably not, because that's really strong. But Pastor James, who absolutely loves these people and loves us, says, listen, to think you're going to hear God's word and not do what it says, and believe you're going to have a blessed life, a God-blessed life, not a world-defined blessed life, a God-blessed life, you're just delusional. See, James wants the best for Christians. So he tells us to be hearers and doers of God's word. That's where he says the life of blessing is found. Now, because James is so serious about this point, he gives an illustration to help us see the difference between a hearer and a doer of the word. And it's, a, it's a, a, a situation that, an illustration that we can think about ourselves in part of every single day. He says, the one who only hears, but does not do or apply what he hears is like a person. And now this is the kind of a, a, a loose translation, but it's what it really means. A person who wakes up in the morning and looks in a mirror and sees his hair's all messed up, and he's unshaven, a little drool coming down his chin, and, you know, sleep in his eyes, and looking a mess, looks in the mirror, sees the way he looks, does nothing to improve his appearance, doesn't get a brush out, doesn't shave, doesn't wash his face, doesn't brush his teeth, just stays in that messy condition, and walks out into public. Well, what's inferred here? Because you can read that and go, what's, why is he comparing it to a person looking in the mirror, not, not doing anything, or not seeing what... What, what he looks like, not caring about it. Well, here's what's inferred here. He's saying this. What was the point of looking in the mirror in the first place? This is what he's inferring. Why look in the mirror when you get out of bed in the morning, see yourself a mess, if you're not going to do something with what you see? Why do you go and you walk up in the mirror and you go, Mark, you look like garbage. Okay. Put on my shirt and walk out the door. No, I go, Mark... You look like garbage, you need a shower. <laughs> Brush your teeth, comb your hair, and try to look a little better. In other words, he's saying this, in t- the, because the context has a story to tell us about what's really the, the issue. He said, why would you go, in our context, why would you go to church, listen to God's word, 
if you're not going to do something with what you hear. He's like, why, why, what's the purpose? He said, there's no value in it. Why would you look in the mirror and then not change your appearance? Why would you go and hear God's word and not do something? He says, it's of no value if you don't use what you hear. If you don't obey what God says is good for your life. And then James says, but if you will hear and you will obey, you will look intently at the law of liberty which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a story about his brother. And then you will obey what it says. What's he say in verse 25? Then this man or woman will be blessed in what they do. This man will be blessed in what he does. There's not very many places in the word of God where it literally spells out for you and says, this is how you can be blessed. But this is one of them. Friends, it doesn't get much clearer than this. The blessed life, the life blessed by God, is tied to doing what his word says. So here's my advice for all of us. When we are reading God's word, or we are listening to God's word, and we come across something that speaks to us, says something directly to my life, to my activities, to my heart, Make a decision today. When you're not in that environment, when there's not a specific thing being talked to, make the decision today that when that happens, you are going to choose to respond. You are going to choose to reply. You're going to say this, God, here is a position I want in my life. That when I hear something that speaks to me, I'm going to choose, make a decision today that I will respond then when it happens. Make the choice today that you will always respond, you will always obey. Don't leave it up to how you feel in the moment. You know why? Because we are masters. We are masters at making excuses for ourselves. Masters at making ourselves um, feel like um, there's a reason why we shouldn't respond today. Have this core value for your life. That you will choose to obey God's word when it speaks to you. That way, the possibility of living in deception is minimized. The possibility of what James is saying could happen. He's saying, Mark, you can be deceived if you think you can live a blessed life, but not do what I say. And the possibility then of living in deception is is reduced if we just say, I'm going to choose to obey. Up front, I'm going to make the decision that when God speaks, I'm going to obey. And then the reality of living a blessed life is maximized. Then what he says, But the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. So we choose today that when God speaks to us tomorrow, we're going to obey. Now, I believe this is of utmost importance. And so I'm going to finish up today by reviewing a way that every one of us can read Scripture that can help you to become a doer of the Word, to give you a practical tool on how to do that. A few weeks ago, Pastor Mitch preached in December. And he talked about a method of Bible reading that he called SOAP. Remember that? 
He just briefly mentioned it, SOAP. And it's really just another way, it's an easy acronym to remember, a way of doing Lectio Divina, which is called sacred reading, a traditional, historical way of reading scripture. But it's done in a way that is maybe easier to understand the application part that we want to look at today. SOAP helps you to not only hear what God says to you, but also apply what you hear. So there's some slides. So let's put SOAP up here, the first one. There's four word letters that spell SOAP, and it represents four words. So SOAP. The first one is scripture. And so what you're going to do is, and I'm going to give you some examples on how you can do this in a little while, you're going to read a section of scripture, and on a section of scripture you're going to write down in your journal, in a notebook, a verse or two from your reading that stands out to you. So you're going to read maybe a page, you're going to read a chapter of God's word, and you're going to ask the Lord beforehand, God, speak to me through this. And as you read it, a couple of verses generally are going to stand out to you. You're going to write down those couple of verses. Then, oh, observation, you're going to write down observations about the scripture that you just read. And basically this, what do you think God is saying through the scripture? So maybe you're reading a section right here and you say, be a hearer of the word, a doer of the word, not a hearer. Where you're going to say, I think God is saying I ought to do what, it's, what his word says. So you're going to write down an observation. A, application. Personalize what you have read by asking yourself how it applies to your life right now. So, so write down under A, you write, hey, what does this mean to my life right now? So right now it means, you know what, when I hear God's word, I ought to respond to it. And so maybe even right now God's telling me something. So application, write that down. Then P, prayer, write down a personal message from you to God based on what you just learned and ask him to help you apply this truth in your life. Now like I said, I went through that really fast. They're all written down for you in a, on a piece of paper out in the connection area. So prayer, write down a personal message um, from you to God. That's what a prayer is. Based upon what you learned from the reading, and ask God to help you apply this truth in your life. The, the doer part of the word, not just the hearer. The hearer is S and O. Being a doer of the word is A and P. It's how does it apply to me? And God, how do I respond to it? Prayer is a response. Prayer is saying, God, now what do you want me to, to do with it? So soap. And so what I have done, or what we have done, is we created a resource for you to help you with this. And it's really, these are out in the connection, the connection center for you to pick up. Um, it's called a soap guide. And what I've done in this is create or combined two different things together. The first thing is an explanation of soap. So it's going to tell you on here how to do, how to do soap Bible reading and go S-O-A-P and explain it to you. And so it's an explanation of soap. And the second thing is six months of selected readings that you can go through one section every single day. Now, they're not just haphazard section or readings of Scripture. What we've combined together is not only the SOAP tool, but a tour of the entire Bible. And so what we've done is we've taken selected Scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, that if you read these Scriptures, it's the big things from the Scriptures that will paint the overall big picture of what the Word of God has to say. The, the big story. The Scripture is just one big story. It's really all it is. It's one simple story. And so what we've done is selected the verses that if you read these verses, 
you're going to basically get the overview of what the entire Bible has to say. So just imagine this. You're going to be going through, you're going to be reading what God does in Genesis 1 and 2. And you're going to say, okay, God, you know, read it. What's it say to me? What do you want me to do about it? And you're going to go all the way through the Bible. You're going to be applying. What does God say as he shows the overall, overall picture, theme of Scripture? What are you saying to me through this overall theme? And so we've given you basically 180 days. So if, if every month had 30 days, so some have 31, you'll get a day off once in a while. Um, and so 180 days of, of selected Bible reading that will take you from Genesis to Revelation. Now this is also on our website, or it will be very soon, is it? It will be very soon on our website, so you don't have to have it in this form. You can just go on a website and look at it. And then, assuming after six months that you guys really like this and it's working for you, we're then just going to put a quarterly soap reading on the website of selected verses that just go through. It won't be the over, over the whole scriptures, but it'll just be selected Bible readings that every day you can just pop on the website, look at what, as a matter of fact, we're getting an app started. It'll be a way we can access that through our app, I think. So through our app that's coming in a little while, you'll be able to go on the church app, see the soap reading for the day, read the verse, write the stuff down in your journal. Here's the deal, friends. I don't want to live a deluded life. I don't want you to live a deluded life. And reality is, there is a million different voices coming at us in this world, and some of them are incredibly convincing. Some of them really make a lot of sense. If you live, in, if you live your life in the bubble of the news world, and you hear everything that's going on all the time, you can be racked by fear, you can be run by, by narratives that don't line up with God's word. And so we need to know what's going on around us, but don't we need to ground ourselves in what God says about things? And so how do we do that? It's his word. He says, don't be delusional. Read my word and do what it says. And if you do it, what's he say? You will be blessed. And I want to be blessed, and I want you to be blessed. So if this is a tool that works for you, they're available out on the Connection Center. You can grab one on the way out. And then if we run out, we'll make more, and it's also going to be on our website. So you can do that and just do soap readings. Just What a, what a way to, to, be, to be blessed. Read God's Word, apply God's Word. Read God's Word, apply God's Word. That makes sense? Amen. So, Father, thank you that you gave us the gift of your Word. Thank you, Lord, that you also give us a real stark challenge. You say, um, I don't want you to be deluded. If you're going to hear my word, you also should do my word because I can't bless you if you don't. And so, Lord, it's all out of love that you say that. It's out of protection that you say it. So, Father, I would ask that you would help us be people that as we read your word, it would make, you would, you'd open up its understanding to us. Only you can do that. And that, Lord, that then you would, um, you would help us to, to, to apply it to our lives. So that, Lord, we would be people who live in the blessing of God. Lord, I know that your blessings are very real in this church family. You love us. And, Lord, your blessings are real. So I pray, God, help us to be stay on the right path. Help us to go on the right path for all of your glory.